welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. God is a great God. Hallelujah. Okay, so this um, is the last Sunday of the month, right? Okay, so we're concluding the the series on testifying. Testify. Glory to His name. Thank you, Father. We started by saying that when we do not really know what Jesus did, it becomes difficult to testify. And that our redemption story is a complete one. The one that has um, total victory. Total victory. When we come to a point where we realize what Christ has done and we are conscious of it, um, it puts us in a position to talk to people about Jesus. It puts us in a position to testify. What does it mean to testify? What it means simply is to um, talk about something that you have witnessed. All right? So, what it means to testify is to be a witness. So, when you find someone who um, takes a matter to court, and then they ask him, do you have a witness? Who was there? Who saw it? Um, who witnessed the situation? And then we looked at the life, lives of two people. Um, well, we looked at maybe about three people or so. A couple of people. We looked at the, lives of, the life of Esther. We looked at the life of Peter. Peter was with Jesus, but um, Paul was not with Jesus. But both of them gave testimony of Jesus. So it means that um, I don't really have to have been with him or seen him physically to be able to testify. I need to have encountered him. I need to have come in contact with him. That allows me to testify. And all through scripture we saw people who um, didn't go out on their own because they wanted to testify, but were driven by the encounter of the one with whom they have to do. So you find the woman um, at the well of Samaria um, having encountered Jesus became one who would testify about him. We saw people who um, Jesus healed and then they went about testifying of him testifying of him apart from healing and miracles Jesus did some other things a person of scripture says that um, they came to Jesus and said all men seek you alright so all men is seeking you but we know the underlying factor there some people were seeking him for because he turned fish he multiplied fish and, and bread they sought him for the food all right, but Jesus was one that that commanded a people. He commanded a crowd. Um, 
people everywhere came together because of him. Alright? So, um, when we talk about the testimony of Jesus, what we're actually saying is that you should have an experience with him. You should have an encounter with him. You should have um, have reached him. The Bible talked about the disciples of Jesus. It said Jesus chose 12 and these disciples that they may be with him. That they may be with him. So it means that he's more focused on you being with him than you running out to testify. Alright? I know the scripture says you know those days in, in Sunday school if you ever went to Sunday school can I see your hand? You went to Sunday school? Good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You did not go. The people that said so are the ones that went. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay. So we grew up with the notion that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we are saying so. Alright. So but that's not the idea. That's not the concept. Let the redeemed of the Lord testify. Let those who have been redeemed of God say they have been redeemed. That's what he's saying. So if God has saved you, he's got, if God has redeemed you, then say it out loud. That's what he's saying. So let them say so. Let them say they have been redeemed of God. So how do you say you've been redeemed of God? It's the character and life in you that goes about to testify about him. It's the way you conduct yourself everywhere you go that lets people know that there's something different about you. It's the way you talk, the way you communicate, the way you pass across a message that lets people know that there's something different about you. So that life begins to testify of him. So some people in scripture were behaving in a certain way. That was not common in, the, in their time. That was different. They looked at them and they wondered what kind of people are these people. And then the Bible says it was an answer that the uh, disciples were first called Christians. Why? Because they were behaving like Christ. They were acting like him. So they said these people are Christ-like. They are acting like Christ. They are behaving like Christ. So the, the, the word Christian was given to us by unbelievers. It wasn't God that, says you, that said you are now my Christians. No. So it was given to us because of the way we were behaving. So he said we are Christ-like. People that behave like Christ. It means that at that time, Christ occupied a position such that his very image and very expression was what determined behavior and what determined conduct and how people would live their lives. So he was a measure of a standard. It means his life was what emulating. His life was shaping culture, shaping system and changing ideas. The way he lived his life. So certain people emulated that they copied that lifestyle. And then they called them Christians. So it comes down to you and I in this present age. To be able to live the life that will testify of him. The life that will say that he is good and he is great. And how is that possible? I told us in one of the teachings that the essence of everything that you have 
is such that it will testify of God. If God gives you a Lamborghini today, it's so that it will testify of him. If he gives you a job at the UN, it's so that it will testify of him. If he gives you a marriage, gives you children, it's so that it will testify of him. God doesn't just do things because he feels like, you know, there's nothing to do. Let's just do this. No, that's not the essence. The essence of everything he does is so that they will testify of him. It's so that when you have that job, all right, it doesn't take you away from him. It brings you closer to him. When you have that marriage, when you have that relationship, it doesn't take you away from him. It brings you closer to him. The Bible says the gift and the callings of God, they are without repentance, right? Good. So then the Bible also says that God is the one that blesses us and doesn't add sorrow. Another translation says toiling does not increase it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, but toiling does not increase it. It doesn't increase it. So when God supplies to you, it's such that you are a partaker in the kingdom. It's for kingdom expansion. It's for kingdom business. God is all about kingdom. It's all about kingdom. He thinks kingdom. He, everything he does is so that the kingdom will expand. The kingdom will increase. So if there's any desire in your heart, say, okay, pastor, do you know I have this very strong desire. I want to be the governor of River State. It's an awesome desire. But the goal of prosperity and increase according to God is to multiply value, not to diminish value. The goal of prosperity in God's kingdom is to multiply value, not to diminish the value. There's something called, my mentor calls it, nuisance, nuisance value. Nuisance value calls it. It says it said it's the it's the um, it's the way people express themselves by the increase that they have that causes nuisance to the society. Have you seen people who all their life ambition, all their life ambition, is so that they can buy a Benz, and the reason they want to buy that Benz is so that by the time they get to Diop and they start blasting the thing, they will know that they have arrived. That's their life ambition. That's their life ambition. They, so there's some people at some levels, the reason you want to get an iPhone is so that when you start taking pictures, you'll put it there, sent from my iPhone. You'll be amazed at how people have certain desires. I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to have an iPhone or, or, or drive a Mercedes, but the goal of increase in God's kingdom it's such that value will be multiplied such that through you other people can find expression in Christ so that through you people will look at you and say because of you I am better in Christ not that we will be intimidated by your appearance there are certain believers because they show up the unbeliever cannot come to church. See, that guy just keeps oppressing me with his shoes. If not that I know Jesus, Temitai would have been oppressing me with his shoes. But I know Jesus. Glory to God. That's just a joke, by the way. You know, but there are certain people who feel that other people oppress them. So the reason they want to have those shoes is so that by the time I come next Sunday, 
Antaios stands and I stand, they will say, ah, which shoe is the best shoe? Come on. The reason they want to drive the best is so that by the time they park, they are saluting them. Ah, hey, chairman, sir, chairman, sir. So Reverend Sam Adeyemi was saying one time, he, he lived in an estate when he was in the country, um, in Lagos. So he, he, had this, he had this big SUV. Each time he's driving out of the estate, they're always hailing him. Hey, chairman, sir, chairman, sir, chairman, sir. That's the security of the estate. So he said one day, he, he now drove a smaller car. He said they did not notice him. That day he realized that he was not the one they were hailing. It was the car. By their car, you shall know them. And try it out. Try it out. If you, if you drive a big car, you are going by somewhere. Everybody is hailing you. Everybody wants to talk to you. Chairman, chairman, chairman. Senior man, like they say here. Senior man, senior man. Show us love. Show us love. But you wear shorts and flip-flops and just be strolling. Nobody will notice you. So you find that at the end of the day, it was not you they were hailing. It was your status. So life has now redefined it such that everybody wants to attain that status. In your mind, we will deceive ourselves to say, God, you know, if you just give me one Benz, as I'm driving, I'll be, have you not said that before? I'll be carrying people every day. I'll be carrying people every day. Ah, it's a lie. It's a lie. You just see people and say, ah, God, see, I everybody standing in the bus stop. Just bless me with one car. I'll just be carrying people every day. By the time you get the car, you say, ah, I don't know who I'll carry now. Maybe they'll now rob me. See? It has changed. The dynamics have changed. You say, ah, it's good to be careful, though, not to just carry anybody anyhow. Ah, you don't know who you will carry now. But before you got it, you are saying, Lord, if you, ah, I don't like people that are just standing at the bus stop like that. I'll just, I'll just carry them. Are you going my way? Are you going my way? But when you now get the car, you now say, ah, one needs to be wise, oh. But the Bible says we should be wise. <laughs> what happens at that point is that we have misunderstood the essence of life completely. So Jesus is saying that the reason you should come to me is so that when I have impacted you, when you have encountered me. With that encounter, you will go to the world and then testify of me. Testify of the experience you've had of me, not of you. So what we find out is that we find people and especially ministers of God teaching about their ideology and not the ideology of Christ. Not the ideology of Christ. I mean, I've been under certain, certain teachings and after the man of God finished preaching. I asked myself, you know that popular question, God when? Because it takes faith away from you. You now ask yourself, ah, these are the people that are doing church. We were not doing church. These are the people that are serving God. Because the man just finished telling you how that he was going. Somebody just stopped him and just gave him 100 million. Say, ah, and then he was walking again and somebody just stopped him and gave him $50,000. And be like, ah, are we not serving the same God? And he got to him and he said, God, I just feel like chicken. And somebody just knocked on his door, boom, boom, four chicken. Say, ah, are we not praying the same kind of prayer? And then it puts a strain on your faith. And you're wondering, people have been depressed by hearing other people's testimony. Because the testimony is not about Jesus. 
It's about them. Praise the Lord. The Lord has done it. The Lord has done it. The Lord has done it. What did the Lord do? Yesterday I was just going. Somebody say going. Going. And when I arrived, somebody say arrive. And then the man just said, Oh, you look so beautiful. Take this Mercedes. And I said, Oh, Jesus. And you'd be like, Just like that? But you didn't tell us that three months ago, God told you to wake up 1 a.m. to pray from 1 to 3 a.m. You didn't tell us that. You didn't tell us that somewhere in the middle of the night, God woke you up and told you that all your salary for the next three months, you should drop it somewhere. You didn't tell us that. You didn't tell us of the encounter you had with him. It's the encounter we want to do. Because if you tell us of the encounter, we will be, we will be strengthened and you know, um, moved to go and have an encounter, not for the things that he did. So when they came to you and said, all men seek you, Jesus knew. He said, ah, they are not seeking me for me. They are seeking me because I gave them food. They are seeking me because I gave. So he said, I've chosen you, 12, so that you will be with me. When you are with me and you've had the encounter, then you will go out and testify of me. When you talk about me, things will happen. And then why are we testifying of him? It's so that people will be drawn to him, not to us. So our testimony should be of him and not of us. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.22, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So we see that everything was made subject to Christ. Everything was made subject to Christ. Why do you think that sometimes there are certain practices that go against Christ? Not because those practices are wrong, but because they are not subject to Christ. Get me? Not because certain things are wrong, but because they are not subject to Christ. They've not been brought under Christ. You have not passed it through Christ. Because God has put everything under his feet. And made everything subject to him. Fighting a battle that you should not fight. Why? Because you failed to understand the boundaries of the call. To understand who you are in Christ Jesus. What he has called you to do. The boundaries of it. When you understand it. You will choose your battles well. There are certain battles that. Ah, you say, ah, They are sacking everybody in this office. And then you start praying. Oh Lord I shall not be sacked. And God's, God's honestly. God's plan for you is that you should be sacked. Some of you don't think that is, is, is a plan. It's a plan. In your sacking. Is your lifting. You don't know. But you are there fighting. Go from 21 days prayer, 32 and a half days prayer. Ah, I shall not be sacked. I shall not. And God is looking at you. Ah, this sacking is the lifting. Oh. But you just want to stay there. But if you've not taken time to, to be with God, to be with Jesus, it's the most important thing. You will understand the depth and the length and breadth of your calling. You will not have to fight certain battles you are not supposed to fight. 
They should not sack me. They are sacking everybody. Somebody came to me one time. True life story. Pastor, they are sacking everybody. Ah, I was about to pray. And God said, ah, they will sack out. I said, Chai, how do you tell this person that they will sack this person? So, sharp guy, pastor. I said, Father, we thank you because your will will be done. <laughs> I couldn't tell her, ah, my sister, they go sack you, no worry. <laughs> she would have said, ah, false prophet, bad prophet. No, but I just like, ah, they're going to sack you. But in that sacking was her lifting. Say, ah, they will sack her. Don't just bother praying. I said, Kai. I said, Father, your will will be done in this thing. Ah, your will will be done. That's the only way you can testify of him. And that's the only way you have encounters. It's not every time you go to God and you know, you just get that um, you say whatever I ask you will give to me. So Lord, I'm asking you now. No people pray very interesting kind of prayers. I know I have I heard of someone who went to the pastor who was married and said that God told her that the pastor is her husband. He said, eh? He said, but you know I'm married. He said, yes. But God told me that you're my husband. So you are wondering. And she was saying it with all conviction. All the Lord spoke to me. So you are wondering, okay, how do people hear God? I mean, how do they get to that point that they are so convinced about something that can never happen? Just so convinced. And we see the person and pushing that you have passion for it. You, you, know, you, can be, you can be passionate for the wrong things. You can be enthusiastic for the wrong things. And you can be very sincere about it. Very sincere. People are sincerely going to hell. People have been sincerely jailed. Sincerely put in prison. Sincerely. Sincerity alone does not does not handle it. Have an encounter with him. Have a relationship such that you know, like we used to say, you know in your Noah that you know. And nothing will take that away from you. Just like Mary and Martha. Say she has chosen the best part. And that part that she has chosen cannot be taken from her. While one was busy running up and down, the other one stayed. He said, this one that stayed has chosen the best part and that part that she has chosen cannot be taken from her. Cannot. Your best testimony of Jesus is not the one where you run heter scatter. It's the one where you stay with him. Stay with him to the point where life begins to flow from you naturally to people around you. To people around you. One of my mentors was saying he lived in a place um, in the US where 
his landlord is an atheist they usually have conversations but not about um, Christianity or beliefs or religion not nothing or sort, but normal conversations from time to time so the landlord came to him one time and said that he would like to sell his house but he wants to sell the house to him he now asked him why he said because there's something about you each time I talk to you life enters me that's the testimony of Jesus each time I talk to you life enters me something different happens to me I leave that place feeling better that's the encounter that's the testimony of Jesus glory to God 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 11 I'm reading the Passion Translation it says since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him we know that our lives are transparent before the God who knows us fully. And I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. Again, we are not taking an opportunity to brag, but giving you information that will enable you to be proud of us and to answer those who esteem outward appearance while overlooking what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, it is for God. But if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly because we are convinced that he has given his life for all of us. It is his love that holds us tightly, that fuels our conviction. It is his love that pushes us because we know that he has died for. We've had an encounter. We've experienced that death. So our passion is not with ignorance. We are not passionate about the wrong things. We are passionate about the right things. Of something we know. And that's why we are telling you. That's why we are communicating to you. He said, this means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives. King James said, should no longer live after themselves. Self-absorbed lives. But lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. He said, so from now on, we refuse to elevate people, evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's not how we, we once viewed the anointed one. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But now, no longer do we see him with limited human insight. He said, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to his old order has vanished. Behold, 
everything is fresh and new and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God can you see the order can you see the pattern come to me so this is the order God was reconciling everything to Jesus and then he gave Jesus to us and is now telling us reconcile everything to Christ you are not in the picture it's not about you you're not there he has given us the ministry of reconciling others to God in other words it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world not even keeping records of their transgressions and he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God so God has given you and I that ministry to open the door of reconciliation to him so through you people should be reconciled to him not drawn away that's why I said capacity has an objective it is to multiply value why do you want the increase why do you want the growth why do you want the job why do you want the things that you want in God's kingdom is to multiply value to draw people to him God increase my capacity increase. when he increases it will his kingdom be better or worse when he increases that capacity will you do more for him or do less will we be looking for you will you do more for him or less so open the door of reconciliation to God then it says in verse 20 that we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Through us, God was tenderly pleading with them. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God. And be reconciled to him. That's the testimony of one who had had an encounter with him. And known that this life that I live, it is no longer I that lives. But it's Christ that lives through me. And he gave himself for me. So we don't run in vain. We don't fight in vain. There's a battle that has been won for us. And all our labor and effort is to enter into the rest that he has gotten for us. We're not trying to create our own rest. No. The same rest that he has, that's the rest we're trying to enter. The same victory that he has given us, that's the victory we're trying to get. Not another victory. So we are laying hold on what Christ has done. Why? So that we can lift it up and say, this is what the Lord has done. There is nothing you and I have done in that, in that space. But this is what the Lord has done. And it can only happen when you have an encounter with him. It can only happen. You can only testify if you witnessed him. 
either you witnessed him as Peter which it can never happen again except maybe Jesus appears to you or you witness him as Paul you have an encounter with him and then it forms the basis of your life it drives your thinking it drives your ambition it drives your thoughts it drives the things you want to do I want to go abroad why do you want to go abroad because everybody is going okay but is it within the confines of what God wants you to do why do you want the things that you want so that people will say that you have arrived does it testify of him that's the essence if it doesn't testify of him and reconcile people to God then revisit it review it and say God purify my heart purify my motives let my motives be clear you know when scripture says that he will give you the desires of your heart what it means is that he will give you the things to desire so that you don't you don't come up with unordinate desires he will give you the things to desire so when your desire comes up you will know it's coming from him because you've been with him you've had an encounter with him so all those desires are not yours but coming from the place of the spirit that kind of life is a life that anywhere you go it will speak of Jesus anywhere you go it will testify of him you may not need to say much but the presence alone they will say like they said of the disciples these people are behaving like Christ so there's something about you that is just different there's something about you that is different there's something about you that is different why because you've embraced this life that is why we testify because of Jesus glory to God stand to your feet thank you father thank you father God created you for his glory. And when you understand that you are in a better place when that glory is finding expression in your workplace, your family, your environment, community, wherever it is you find yourself, you understand that you're in a better place. You're in a better place. what it will do to you is that it will put you as part of the people that God is entrusting kingdom to and trust in kingdom to and trust in kingdom lift your hands to heaven and just bless him if there's anywhere you feel in your life that It's just off where the wheel of God is concerned where the directions of God's spirit is concerned and you and you just want to make amends and say Lord I return to you I return to you in this area in that area I return to you this is the time this is the opportunity to do so just go ahead and talk to him and say Lord I return to you 
I know that you put me here, put me there to be a witness, to testify of you. So this is me returning to you, Lord, to testify of your goodness, to testify of your grace, to testify of your love. This is me returning to you, Father. Make everything right, oh God. If you have an encounter with him, you won't struggle to express yourself in certain areas. Because the revelation, the reality of that revelation will be so much into you that everything you do will be to give him glory. Lift your hands to heaven and if you're listening online, as I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, I ask, oh God, the best thing that can happen to any one of us is an encounter with you. To know for sure that we're walking with you day by day. To know that we're after your agenda and not our own ambition. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone under the sound of my voice that Lord, you'll bring them to a new place of encounter with you in the name of Jesus. Such that Father, we will testify of you every day effortlessly in our workplace, our family, when we play, whatever we do, that this life will be the life that brings you out and shows you to the world. I ask in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for desires here today. Scripture says that you will give us the things to desire. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Every heart here listening under the sound of my voice. Father, let the hearts be turned to you in the name of Jesus. The things to desire that comes from your presence, O oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will plant in their hearts things to desire that comes from you in the name of Jesus. That from this day, Lord, we will enjoy a new walk and a new relationship with you. And you will entrust us with kingdom everywhere we go. Knowing that, Lord, when we speak, we'll speak of you. When we give, we'll give because it's you. That our heart will be focused on kingdom and kingdom expansion. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Glory to God. Have you been blessed this morning? Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.